no time setting, for we are living on borrowed time. There is an increasing excitement among many Seventh-day Adventists that some great event is about to take place as the year 2000 A.D. approaches. Now the reason for such belief among Bible students and theologians is based on the assumption that God has allotted 7,000 years to this old world before he destroys it and then recreates it anew. God has often used the number seven in the scriptures to represent completion, such as the seven days of creation, the seven churches of Revelation, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven beasts of Daniel and Revelation covering the time period from the creation to the return of Jesus, the time given to mankind to prepare for salvation. Now let's do a little arithmetic. Since the earth was about 4,000 B.C. years old when Christ came to this earth to die on Calvary, and when this figure is added to the approaching year of 2000 A.D., we discover that the earth is about 6,000 years old. Therefore, it must be about time for the second coming of Christ. For when he comes, he will usher in the 1,000-year millennium of Revelation 12, which makes a total of 7,000 years. But the big question is this. How old is this earth? Surely inspiration must have something to say about the actual age of this earth so that we may have something to say in reference to the time of Christ's second coming. As we search for the answer, let us first seek God in prayer for divine guidance. O loving Father, our hearts long for the return of our Lord, when sin will be no more, and we shall be reunited with loved ones and taken to our heavenly home. In the Holy Scripture, we have been told that the Lord will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. So, dear God, Guide us in this study as we search to know what thy word has revealed concerning the coming of thy dear Son. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Turning to scriptures, we read in Matthew 24, verses 29 to 36, Immediately, after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know 
that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Surely these words of Christ, stating that no man knoweth the day nor the hour of his coming, but his Father only, should settle this matter forever. There can be no actual time-setting for this event to happen. Yet, there are some people now teaching within our church that Jesus is to return at the end of 6,000 years of earth's history, and they are placing this event in the very near future, when earth's history reaches the 6,000-year mark. Now to those who are teaching such beliefs, I have some very startling news. Ellen White wrote in the years between 1869 and 1890 that the earth and mankind were already some 6,000 years old. Listen carefully as I read from her quotations. Beginning in 1869, she wrote, and I'm quoting, Creation week was only seven literal days, and the world is now only about 6,000 years old. Now that's taken from Lift Him Up, page 52. Then, three years later, in 1872, she stated, quote, Man hath withstood the accumulation of disease, brought upon the race in consequence of perverted habits, and has continued for 6,000 years. Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 22. Some 15 years passed, and then she wrote on September 29, 1887, in the Signs of the Times, quote, Ever since Satan succeeded in overcoming our first parents in their beautiful Eden home, he has been engaged in this work. Now notice the words more than 6,000 years of continual practice has greatly increased his skill to deceive and allure. Then, in the next year, 1888, we find this statement, quote, For 6,000 years, Satan's work of rebellion has made the earth to tremble. For 6,000 years, his prison house has received God's people. The Great Controversy, page 659. Finally, two years later, we find in 1890, she wrote, quote, the continual transgressions of men for over 6,000 years has brought sickness, pain, and death as its fruit. That's found in Christian Temperance and Bible Hygiene, page 154. As I prepare this message, I find that this last statement by Ellen White was written 117 years ago. So, the earth is already over 6,117 years old. Tell me, 
What has gone wrong? Why has Jesus not returned? As we study this problem, we find that Ellen White points out that Jesus should have returned well over a hundred years ago. I trust that this news will awaken the sleepy minds among us. I must confess, I was startled to discover this information. Just think, the faithful could have been in heaven for the last 100 years. Wonder of wonders. In the book Evangelism, page 695, written in 1883, are these words. Had Adventists, after the great disappointment in 1844, held fast their faith and followed on unitedly in the opening providence of God, Christ would have come ere this to receive his people to their reward. It was not the will of God that the coming of Christ should be delayed. God did not design that his people Israel should wander forty years in the wilderness. He promised to lead them directly to the land of Cana and establish them there a holy, healthy, happy people. But those to whom it was first preached went not in because of unbelief. Their hearts were filled with murmuring, rebellion, and hatred, and he could not fulfill his covenant with them. For forty years did unbelief, murmuring, rebellion, shut out ancient Israel from the land of Cana. The same sins, did you notice those words? The same sins have delayed the entrance of modern Israel into the heavenly Cana. In neither case were the promises of God at fault. It is the unbelief, the worldliness, the unconsecration, and strife among the Lord's professed people that have kept us in this world of sin and sorrow so many years." Unquote. Now continuing the same thoughts in The Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 4, page 291, I read, If all who had labored unitedly in the work in 1844 had received the third angel's message and proclaimed it, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord would have wrought mightily with their efforts. A flood of light would have been shed upon the world. Years ago, the inhabitants of the earth would have been warned, the closing work completed, and Christ would have come for the redemption of his people. Unquote. So now that we have the facts before us, all taken from divine inspiration, we are still faced with the remaining question, why is Christ now waiting to come and put an end to sin? I'll tell you the conclusion I've come to. The Lord sees so many of us who are not ready, and in his great mercy he delays his coming that sinners may have the opportunity to heed his warning message and find divine shelter before the wrath of God is poured out. On October 6th, 1896, Ellen White wrote in the Review and Herald, quote, If those who claimed to have a living experience in the things of God 
had done their appointed work as the Lord ordained, the whole world would have been warned ere this, and the Lord Jesus would have come in power and great glory. Then continuing the same thought in the book, The Faith I Live By, on page 288, taken from a letter 106, written in 1897, are these words. Because the people are disobedient, unthankful, unholy, as were ancient Israel, time is prolonged that all may hear the last message of mercy proclaimed with a loud voice. The Lord's work has been hindered. And then these startling words, the sealing time delayed, unquote. During the years 1898 to 1903, Ellen White stressed that the time had been delayed because the church had not done its job. Quote, it is because the work has not been done for the wicked that time delays. Manuscript release, 1816. Finally, in the year 1903 came this message, and it is found in Testimonies 8, page 116. Had the Adventists in the early days still trusted to the guiding hand that had been with them, with them in their past experience, they would have seen the salvation of God. So, friend, it is plain to see that the 6,000 years of earth history ended before 1890 and that Jesus would have come for his people had they been faithful. Now, as we continue, we shall discover that it is absolutely impossible now for anyone on this earth to figure out a time schedule for the coming of Christ. When we compare the signs that are pinpointed about the second coming found in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and Revelation 6, we find here these actual signs of Christ's coming. Note the following. The sun was to be darkened. The moon would not give its light, and the stars were to fall from the sky. Now every Adventist knows that the signs of the sun and moon were fulfilled on May 19, 1780, and the falling of the stars occurred on November 13, 1833. Keeping this in mind, consider these words by Ellen White, quote, Those who behold these harborings of his coming are to know that it is near, even at the doors. Great Controversy, page 37. And in the book, The Desire of Ages, page 632, we read, quote, Christ has given signs of his coming. He declares that we may know when he is near, even at the doors. He says of those who see these signs, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And then these startling words, these signs have appeared. Now we know of a surety that the Lord's coming is at hand. Heaven and earth shall pass away, he says, but my words shall not pass away, unquote. 
So we are safe to say that the generation that saw the last sign, the falling of the stars in 1833, was to live until Jesus would come in his second coming between 1869 and 1890. But alas, that generation perished long ago. And how is this to be explained? Please, please listen carefully. Some twelve years after the disappointment of 1844, Ellen White was given a significant vision. Quote, a conference was held at Battle Creek in May 1856. At the conference, a very solemn vision was given me. I saw that some of those present would be food for worms, some subjects for the seven last plagues, and some would be translated to heaven at the second coming of Christ without seeing death. That's found in Spiritual Gifts, page 207. Or, as the angel put it, quote, some food for worms, some subject of the seven last plagues, some will be alive and remain upon the earth to be translated at the coming of Jesus. Testimonies 1, page 131. And this was written a hundred and forty years ago. Now I am reminded of the statement found in First Selected Messages, page 67. And consider these words carefully. Quote, The promise and threatenings of God are alike conditional. May I repeat that? The promise and threatenings of God are alike conditional. Now this answers why Jesus did not come before the last of those present at this conference had died. This prophecy was not fulfilled because the church did not meet the conditions. The Seventh-day Adventists who were then living had proved to be unfaithful, thus causing a delay in the second coming of Christ. As late as 1888, Ellen White wrote, when some of those at that general conference held in Battle Creek were still living, quote, the hour will come, it is not far distant, and some of us who now believe will be alive upon the earth and shall see the prediction fulfilled and hear the voice of the archangel and the trump of God echo from mountain and plain and sea to the uttermost parts of the earth. You'll find that in the Review and Herald of July 31, 1888. How sad, how sad to say the church continued in unfaithfulness, which means and meant still more delay. And Ellen White, one of the last remaining in this group, died in 1915. What a lesson for God's people to comprehend. We are now some 100 years past God's intended time schedule, and no one now knows the exact time of Christ's return. Present truth for this hour 
is the fact that today we are living on borrowed time. Time is no longer a factor. I have three short quotations that emphatically stress this. Spiritual Gifts, page 138 and 148. Quote, The prophetic periods reached to 1844 and terminated in 1844. Prophetic time closed in 1844. I was shown prophetic periods ended in 1844. Now this means that the 1260, the 1290, and the 1335 day prophecies of Daniel 12 all ended in 1844. I have a photocopy in my files of the prophetic chart used by our, by our pioneers as they preached the three angels' messages. This chart reveals that all the prophecies of Daniel 12 ended in the year 1844. Ellen White speaks specifically of this chart in Early Writings, page 74, in which she states, and I'm quoting, I have seen that the 1843 chart was directed by the hand of the Lord and that it should not be altered, that the figures were as he wanted, unquote. And again on page 75 are these words, Time has not been a test since 1844 and it will never again be a test." Unquote. Early Writings, page 75. Now I'm going to have to give you some names which I very much dislike to do because it is necessary that we not become caught up in the error that is being presented to so many within our church today. I'm referring to individuals like Marion Berry, who are continually using these prophecies of Daniel 12 to point out future events leading to a definite time for Christ to come. Marion Berry may deny that she is setting future time periods. Yet, as one studies her teachings and charts, they will discover that they declare that the prophecies of Daniel 12 are to be understood as literal days instead of a day for a year, and that they will meet their fulfillment when the United States National Sunday Law is enacted. And this will start the 1335-day period of Daniel 12, which will end the voice of God announcing the day and the hour of the return of Jesus. Some 60 days later, a universal Sunday law starts, the 1260 and 1290-day periods, ending in a universal death decree. You will find this all taken from Marion Berry's book entitled Warning in the 1260, the 1290, and the 1335 day prophecies of Daniel 12. Such false teachings are ensnaring thousands within our church today. Selected Messages 2, page 14, warned, quote, Every phase of fanaticism and erroneous theories 
claiming to be the truth, will be brought in among the remnant people of God." Unquote. And for what purpose? To sift the wheat from the tares. I'm reading volume 5 of the Testimonies, page 707. God will arouse his people. If other means fail, heresies will come in among them, which will sift them, separating the chaff from the wheat." Unquote. Such futuristic teachings have been increasingly plaguing our church during the last half of this century in spite of this divine counsel. Another futuristic prophet among us by the name of Larry Wilson wrote in his paper called The Day Star of February 1992, quote, I expect to see these people, the 144,000, revealed by powerful Holy Spirit manifestations during the latter part of 1993 or early 1994. Then he wrote in June of 1993, he sent out a chart with this heading, quote, a survey of the possible timing of the end time events. For the spring of 1994, the chart had this entry, 70 Jubilee cycles end, 144,000 sealed. Two witnesses begin 1260 days of preaching." Unquote. Now such teachings enable Wilson to invite his followers to join him at Round Rock, Texas on March 19, 1994, with the expectation that shortly thereafter God would begin to use the 144,000 as servants, prophets, to complete the three angels' messages in a time period of 1260 literal days. Larry Wilson has publicly stated and put in print that he believes some of God's prophets in the scriptures made mistakes in their prophecies. He further states that Ellen White made similar mistakes in her book entitled The Great Controversy. For he writes that he does not believe that the United States is the two-horned beast of Revelation 13, as Ellen White emphatically states. Now let me answer some questions that are being asked today. Can man fix a definite time for any future event? I'm reading from Revelation 10, 5, and 6. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein, and the earth and the things that there are therein are, and the sea, and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. Question. What is the meaning of the foregoing declaration of this angel? I'm reading from Bible Commentary 7, page 791. This time, which the angel declares with a solemn oath, is not the end of this world's history, neither of probationary time, but of prophetic time, which should precede the advent of the Lord. That is, the people will not have another message upon definite time. After the period of time reaching from 1842 to 1844, there can be no definite tracing of the prophetic time 
the longest reckoning reaches to the autumn of 1844. Do you remember the words of Christ found in Acts 1-7? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Reading again from Bible Commentary 6, page 1052, Should we advance in spiritual knowledge, we would see the truth developing and expanding in lines of which we have little dreamed. But it will never develop in any line that will lead us to imagine that we may know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Again and again have I been warned in regard to time setting. There will never again be a message for the people of God that will be based on time." Unquote. Question. Can we fix a definite time then for probation to end? I'm reading from Selected Messages 1, page 191. God hath not revealed to us the time when this message will close or when probation will have an end. But there is no command for anyone to search the scriptures in order to ascertain, if possible, when probation will close. God has not such message for any mortal lips. He would have no mortal tongue declare that which he has hidden in his secret counsels." Unquote. Question. Can we fix a definite time for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain? Selected Messages 1, page 192. Quote, I have no specific time of which to speak when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will take place, when the mighty angel will come down from heaven and unite with the third angel in closing up the work of this world. My message is that our only safety is in being ready for the heavenly refreshing having our lamps trimmed and burning. Watch and pray is the charge given us by our Redeemer. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Unquote. Question. Can we fix a definite time for the judgment of the living to begin? Great Controversy, page 490. The judgment is now passing in the sanctuary above. For many years, this work has been in progress. Soon, none know how soon, it will pass to the cases of the living. In the awful presence of God, our lives are to come up in review. At this time, Above all others, it behooves every soul to heed the Savior's admonition, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is." Unquote. Now this should not mean that we are not to give our special attention to the judgment, for our characters are being judged and evaluated daily. But there will come a time when a final examination will be made that will determine whether or not our names remain in the Lamb's Book of Life. Historical sketches, page 138, tell us, quote, the names of all those who have once given themselves to God are written in the Book of Life and their characters are now passing in review before him. Angels of God are weighing mortal worth. They are watching and developing 
the development of characters in those now living to see if their names can be retained in the book of life. A probation is granted us in which to wash our robes of character and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. Unquote. Question. Can we fix a definite time for the fulfillment of any other future event? Testimonies to Ministers, page 55. Quote, Let all our brethren and sisters beware of anyone who would set a time for the Lord to fulfill his word in regard to his coming, and then these words, or in regard to any other promise he has made of special significance, unquote. And why is this? Because time-setting retards the work of God. God knows human nature. Selected Messages, 1, page 189. Quote, The times and the seasons God has put in his own power. And why has not God given us this knowledge? Because we would not make a right use of it if, we, if he did. A condition of things would result from this knowledge among our people that would greatly retard the work of God in preparing a people to stand in the great day that is to come. We are not to live upon time excitement. We are not to be engrossed with speculations in regard to the times and the seasons which God has not revealed. Satan has told, Jesus has told his disciples to watch, but not for a definite time. His followers are to be in the position of those who are listening for the orders of their captain. They are to watch, wait, pray, and work as they approach the time for the coming of the Lord. But no one will be able to predict just when that time will come. For of that day and hour knoweth no man. You will not be able to say that he will come in one, two, or five years. Neither are you to put off his coming by stating that it may not be for ten or twenty years, unquote. You see, time-setting diverts from the three angels' message. Listen to this. It disqualifies the person from giving the three angels' messages. I find this in Bible Commentary 6, page 1052, quote, Satan is ever ready to fill the mind with theories and calculations that will divert men from the present truth and disqualify them for the giving of the third angel's message to the world. Time-setting will cause you to neglect a needful preparation. In Testimonies 2, page 191 are these words. Christ distinctly states the suddenness of his coming. He does not measure the time, lest we should neglect a momentary preparation, and in our indolence look ahead to the time when we think he will come and defer the preparation. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not. Unquote. Satan is continually implanting within many of us a desire for something startling, for something that will bring us a spiritual ecstasy. We need a change, all right. There's no denying this. But the change we need is a change of heart, in which our characters are transformed in victory over sin, ready to meet Jesus. This is what the three angels' messages are all about. 
In Selected Messages 2, page 114, I read, Be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. That's taken from Matthew 24, 44. This is our message, the very message that the three angels flying in the midst of heaven are proclaiming. We should realize that should we die this very day, our destiny is sealed forever. Our judgment has been finished. The end of the world, the coming of Christ, for all practical purposes, is over. As far as we are individually concerned, we must live day by day as though it is our very last day, for we may not have another day. Our full attention should be given to two major questions. First, how can I be ready to meet Jesus with victory over every sin? And second, how can I faithfully do my part in sharing the three angels' messages that Jesus may come? These two objectives should be our only concern of any futurism in our lives. And so I say, run, don't walk. Run away from anyone who would have you spend time on dating any coming events. As we come near to the end of this message, I must give credit to two individuals who have given considerable help in preparation of this message. Edward Eugene Ross of Merlin, Oregon, and Dr. Lloyd Rosenvall of Hope, Idaho. In conclusion, let me state emphatically that there will come a time when all who are alive will know the exact day and hour of the return of Christ. For this will happen when God's people are about to be delivered from the jaws of the Battle of Armageddon. I'm reading from Great Controversy, page 640. Quote, The voice of God is heard from heaven, declaring the day and hour of Jesus' coming and delivering the everlasting covenant to his people. Like peals of thunder, loudest thunder, his words roll through the earth. The Israel of God stand listening with their eyes fixed upward. Their countenances are lighted up with his glory and shine as did the face of Moses when he came down from Sinai. The wicked cannot look upon them, and when the blessing is pronounced on those who have honored God by keeping his Sabbath holy, there is a mighty shout of victory, unquote. Praise God. I want to be among the living saints who hear these words of God, don't you? Let us pray. Our loving Father, help us to be ready to meet Jesus. Awaken our sleepy minds, for thou hast told us that the coming of the Lord will be sudden and unexpected. May thy mighty power touch each listening heart with victory over every sin and produce in us characters ready to meet our Lord. Amen.
A correction, please. I misread my notes. The millennium is found in Revelation 20, not Revelation 12. 